This is HRT, a podcast featuring interviews with HR leaders, researchers, students, and influencers. HRT takes trending topics and research in human resources, steeps them for 30 minutes or less, and leaves you with fresh brewed ideas on how to drive high-performing, inclusive organizations and create meaningful work experiences. HRT is brought to you by Villanova HRD, the graduate programs in human resource development at Villanova University. Hi everyone, welcome to HRT. I'm Bethany Adams, not this season's host, but I still love HRT and truth be told, I'm still a coffee drinker. I am so excited to kick off season four's theme of how the pandemic has changed the world of work. Larry, our host this season, sat down with Trisha Stege, an organizational development consultant with over 30 years of experience in the field. Trisha is dedicated to helping clients solve complex change problems within their organizations and has been instrumental in the area of remote teams. Trisha is the founder of Transformational Strategies, an executive coaching and change management firm in the Philadelphia area. They specialize in building change leadership capabilities. Trisha was here with us on this episode to share her expertise on how organizational change management is crucial in the new world of work. All right, let's jump into the conversation. Larry and Trisha have just started discussing how remote and hybrid environments have changed the way we work. I'll pop back in a little later as they shift the conversation, but for now, grab your coffee or tea and let's get into the show. I started working with remote teams back in the 90s uh, when I was working with Lockheed Martin and we were kind of finding all the rocks in the road, if you will, uh, tripping over the rocks because there wasn't a whole lot out there at the time about working virtually. And I'm finding it fascinating, Larry, that, you know, we would we wouldn't talking about this work or I've been talking about this work for over 30 years and we really were challenged for all that time in convincing leaders that this could work well. And there was so much resistance, I guess, to, you know, leaders just didn't think it really could work all that well. And then within the space of three weeks, you know, the entire world flipped when COVID hit and all of a sudden people started realizing, wow, this can work. And it, it's amazing that, it, you know, it took 25 years or whatever, almost 30 years, and then in three weeks, boom, it flips. So it's a great topic to talk about. I think it's something that our organizations are really wrestling with right now. But mm-hmm. I think we've made some headway and learnings along the way. So, so uh, as you're out and about with your, with your clients or from your research, what uh, what challenges do you think that managers are facing today with a remote workforce or a virtual workforce? Well, I think the challenges are probably fairly the same that they've had when we've been working face-to-face. Uh, but I think they become even more amplified because they can't see their employees necessarily on a day-to-day basis or So I really believe that um, leaders are mostly struggling with being able to trust and trust that their employees are really getting their jobs done. You know, it was easier when they were sitting right outside, maybe in the cube, they maybe didn't see them necessarily 
uh, every day or constantly throughout the day, but at least they knew that individual was out there and they could just, you know, be fairly accessible to them. Now they are probably facing um, challenges with inaccessibility of people at certain times in their employees. And that can lead to maybe a decrease of trust. So can I really entrust that my employees are doing what they're supposed to be doing? And I also think it really may be triggering some of their own insecurities as a manager, particularly when that manager gets a sense of uh, security and, and identity from doing their managerial job. You know, and now they feel, well, if I can't really manage, what does that mean for me as a leader? Where do I fit in? And, you know, am I still valuable? The thing is, they still do need to manage, but they're just doing it differently. So that brings up a, a kind of a thought for me in terms of, well, if the role of the manager is changing, who's doing what the manager used to do, or is it no longer necessary? Some of what a manager used to be responsible for now uh, shifted towards the team itself. I've always believed that the role of the leader or manager is to create the environment that facilitates performance. Yeah, so good. they're still they're still not they're still doing their managerial job, if you will. It's just they're having to do it a little differently with a little bit more intention because they don't have the immediate uh, access or skin to skin um, kind of, you know, relationship. I, you know, we've always talked about what's the role of the leader and what's the role of the team. And even whether you're sitting remotely or sitting face to face, I don't think that those roles have changed at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and so I'm thinking of it in terms of a couple of areas that would be uh, managerial or HR related. I actually had a, a student in a class just recently who was hired at the, almost at the beginning of the pandemic in March of 2020. And when I had her in class nine months later, she still hadn't been on site. One area that I see might be impacted would be onboarding. Do you think that's going to have an impact on corporate culture? Do you think it would impact retention? And then the other two that we can talk about are uh, careers and performance. But I thought I would start at the beginning, you know, start with the onboarding. So when you asked me to think about this question, I did think about it a little bit. And where I came to the conclusion is the strength of a company, in my mind, is only as good as its culture. So even mm -hmm. if you have uh, people sitting face to face, you could still have people leaving uh, because of the lack of good culture. So the onboarding, yes, it may need to look a little bit different. It may need to be, it does need to be a lot more maybe intentional. Um, we could talk about specifics there. But when I started thinking about your question, is this really going to make an impact on company culture? I'm, I'm not sure because for me, the culture is the foundation of the company and too many people leave organizations when they have been face-to-face -face because it's not the kind of environment that they want to be in. It's just almost um, the culture is the foundation. Doing it remotely is almost like the 
a variable, a different way of delivering the culture, I guess, if you will. But at the bottom line, you still need to do the things that you need to do to build a strong culture. Right. And everybody has this need to feel connected and like they belong somewhere. And that's what a good culture really does. It helps me feel as an individual really connected to that organization I'm working with and that I belong somewhere. And if you as a leader are really doing things to help make that team and everybody on it feel like they belong I'm not sure whether I'm sitting remote or face to face. If that's working, it's going to work. Right. I like your I like your phrase intentional. Uh, more intentionally, uh, in, in order to overcome some of the the, the differences in absolutely right? yes. It was easy when everybody was here at the workplace, but now we have to think of other ways to accomplish the same thing. Yeah. And some of the things that naturally come, you know, when you're sitting looking face to face, the unconscious and everything, that's why we need to be um, much more intentional because we don't have those subtle clues. Uh, so one of the things I think a leader really needs to get more adept in and working virtually is being able to really sit and listen for the silences and listen very differently. Uh, and not assume that silence means agreement or whatever. Sometimes people are waiting uh, for the opportunity to say something when you can't see them as well. Um, you need to start listening for the unspoken. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. Particularly from uh, uh, an educator standpoint, a virtual, you know, our virtual classes, you do have to pay attention to the ones that aren't saying anything. Right. Leaders are going to have to start um, asking questions differently to probe, to facilitate that conversation that may not be coming as natural as when people are in front of you, but not with the intent of um, making the person feel uncomfortable. It's just learning how to listen to the silences differently and learning how to ask questions differently in a way that stimulates conversation and creates safety that allows people to speak up. And I have found in some of the teaching that I'm doing virtually right now, it's this is particularly challenging for me, um, even though I've been doing this for years, particularly when I'm talking to people that are introverts. So they, it's very easy for the introverts to hide behind the other folks in the session or go on mute and never say anything. Right. And to your point, it's it's like uh, being intentional to make sure that they're having airtime because the extroverts can really dominate the conversations. And I, I was just going to mention a book. Uh, she did a she wrote a lot uh, about leading virtual teams. She was one of the first people out there. Her last name was Costner, Jackie Costner. Anyway, in that book, she talks about the Camelot syndrome. I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but it's no, the whole idea of the Knights of the Round Table. You know. And I happen mm -hmm. to love the whole Camelot time period. So <laughs> uh, this appealed to me. But those that were sitting at the round table, you know, had, were on the inner circle, if you will, and had access all the time. Mm -hmm. And those that were out in the, um, I don't know what they call them, regions or countries or whatever, uh, those nights always felt kind of disconnected, obviously, on the outer circle. And some of the things that we learned from Jackie when she was working with us was, 
that the manager really has to be intentional. The person leading the meeting or the manager or whatever, you intentionally focus on those people that are outside away from the table. So even when you're in a meeting, particularly if you have people in the room with you, you don't really pay so much attention to what they're saying in the room as you do with trying to extend and ask questions for those on the phone or whatever. And that the opposite tends to happen. You tend to pay attention to those in the room and forget about those on the phone. So that was just one trick I picked mm -hmm. up and I'm very intentional about paying attention to those that I can't see more than those that I can. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think that's a different skill right? when you're talking about listening for the silences and mm -hmm. probing and, you know, intentionally trying to include people outside. Those are maybe different skills for managers that they're going to have to develop over, yes. over some time as they, they get into this different kind of a workplace. All right, everyone, it's Bethany. I'm back and jumping back in here because as you all know from past seasons, I personally believe that trust is crucial to leveraging performance from employees. And Larry and Trisha are just hitting on how managers and leaders are going to have to lean into new skills to leverage and build trust with all workers, particularly those who are remote. I am so glad that this came up as we are talking about shifting the world of work. All right, Larry was just asking Trisha how trust plays into the relationship of measuring performance and productivity. Let's listen deep here. So I personally take the perspective that measuring performance doesn't differ whether you're remote or face-to-face. -face. Your role as a manager is to set up the performance expectations and how the individual gets there, how quickly they get there is really on them. All you're looking for is the performance. And, you know, if you're not seeing it as a manager, I guess the remote aspect comes in is that if you need to have a crucial conversation about performance, you need to be intentional about the timing of when you do that and how you do it. So you don't have a performance discussion, you know, in the middle of the dinner hour or late at night after a long day when the person's been, you know, uh, working all day or whatever. It, I just, I feel that the same principles and concepts that we've been teaching leaders for years to follow, I think really hold true. It's the same idea. And, um, you know, we, what we do know now is that people are getting much more productive in this work environment than they were when they were sitting in cubes. Uh, you know, there's a lot of putzing around and stuff, water cooler conversations and everything that happened during the day, which is all very uh, important, quite frankly, for building networking and, and collegial atmospheres and things like that when people are working face to face. That kind of gets lost when they're working at home by themselves remotely. But from a performance aspect to the point that you made, just because they're sitting in a cube doesn't mean they're performing. So your role really is about creating the expectations and then managing to the performance, not where they're getting it done, not how they're getting it done. But as we talked about at the beginning of this conversation, that's an uncomfortable place for managers oftentimes because they are feeling like trust equals being able to see them. 
-hmm. And no, trust equals, are they doing what you need them to do? And if they aren't, when you have the conversation, do you see a resolve in the behavior or performance? Do you see improving performance? That's where the trust gets built. Can you have an honest conversation with the employee? Do they hear what you're saying? And then are you seeing actions to correct things? From that standpoint, um, like you said at the beginning, uh, a manager sets up, here's the goals, here's what we're expecting in terms of results, go to it. And if, and if not, as you just pointed out, we're going to have a conversation. Surprise! Guess who's back? Back again. You know, I can't miss a moment to emphasize trust again. Thank you, Trisha, for pointing out that just because we don't see remote workers doesn't mean they aren't working. Amen to that. All right, now that we've talked about culture and performance, Larry and Trisha are going to dive into the third aspect of how remote work is affecting careers. Specifically, Larry just asked Trisha about how remote work is affecting those who are just entering the workforce, like some of our students, and what challenges might arise in terms of employee development. So let's drop back in here. Well, you know, I going back to the young people, I, I know I read an article or if it heard recently in, in different discussion rooms and things that the young people that are really starting into organizations today are really are really taking the biggest hit in what we've experienced through COVID. I mean, they are, they're the ones that often rely mostly on the social connections that they build at work. So when they're young in their career, right, coming up right out of college, you know, they're going off into maybe moving into new cities and moving in with a new roommate. And previously, we're able to build some of those social relationships at work, which ultimately brought them connection and ultimately long-term relationships to build careers. But they haven't been able to do that, with, particularly when they were in full lockdown. So mm-hmm. I've heard that they're, you know, they're the ones that are feeling extremely isolated uh, out there. But I, what I do think that if, um, I think this, this is a two pronged approach around this career discussion. Number one is organizations have to be extremely focused on welcoming all of their new employees and doing the things that we know build culture, regardless of the location. So finding time for that team to get together or leaders making those direct connections, um, And then secondly, similar to what we, I think we've always encouraged people in their career development that your career development is really more dependent on you than your leaders and your organization. So you as an individual really have to be clear on what career it is that you're trying to build and then figure out who you need to speak with, who you need to get mentors, who you need to network with in your organization to make that happen. And remote work, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, maybe this isn't the popular opinion, but I just think that people are, you know, making remote work uh making it a little bit more difficult than they need to. All of the same principles and 
processes that we've encouraged people when they were working in organizations still apply. The only difference that I really see is that people need to be a lot more intentional about it because they don't have that natural, you know, pass in the hallway. Oh, there's Mr. Vice President. I've always wanted to talk to him. Maybe I'll introduce myself to him. Well, now they need to find people in the organization that can help influence and get that introduction to the vice mm -hmm. president. It's just being intentional and being clear about where you want to go and then finding the people in the organization. There's plenty of people that are more senior in the organization who are looking for people to reach out and mentor and network to. They just don't often get asked because people get very intimidated maybe by their level or whatever, but they're just as hungry to, to give back. I definitely think that a structured mentoring program is even more important now. Yes. You know, where, whereas uh, it used to be that the mentee would seek out the mentor. Yes. And now we may need to put more structure around that in, in terms of matching or whatever. Yep, I'm back one last time. I love that point that Larry just made about the need for structured mentoring right now. I think the pandemic has put a halt to some of these structured mentoring programs. I know it did even for the Villanova HRD mentoring program, but Larry is right. Now more than ever, these efforts are crucial. And yes, we will be bringing back the Villanova HRD mentoring program in 2023. So students and alumni stay tuned for details. So to build off the points that Larry and Trisha made when it comes to career development these days, we are fortunate to have virtual resources and networking opportunities, things like LinkedIn and Zoom. So we have the ability to connect and meet people from all over. Of course, the challenge of being in this virtual and remote work environment is that we are all suffering from something known as Zoom fatigue, right? So let's jump back in and hear Larry and Trisha's conversation about how we can manage the challenge of Zoom fatigue. The Zoom stuff doesn't really bother me, but that being said, I've had days where I'm just exhausted, particularly when it's been back to back to back. And I think what we're not doing a good job of, there's times to use Zoom uh, with the video on and there's times not to. And I think we need to, you know, when this first happened, everybody wanted to, you got to always be on Zoom, always got to be on video. Well, the, the demands intellectually of being on video are very different than when mm -hmm. you're just talking. And uh, because you, you actually have to think much harder to read faces and things like that on video. And so I think what we need to start doing is a better job of setting boundaries for ourselves and then figuring out to what really needs to have a video right now and what doesn't. Not every right. Zoom meeting has to have video on it. But we do know that even with this COVID, while people are being more productive, we're also seeing higher rates of burnout. And a lot of that, you know, I'm probably getting a little bit off from the Zoom thing, but I think that's because for some reason, all of a sudden we went remote and the subtle message is, okay, you are now available every hour of the day at any time I want you. Right. And so we've lost that sense of 
starting at a certain time, ending at a certain time. And nobody's going to manage my time other than myself. So I've got to be really clear about setting boundaries and setting up defined work start times and end times, and then communicating that with my leader. So then that leads into, well, I can't tell my leader not to call me if he needs something or whatever. But I would challenge that. Well, yeah, you can. (laughs) You can talk about agreements. And this is an important discussion because your manager is not interested in seeing you go to burnout, which ultimately would lead you away from the organization. I mean, no organization right now wants people walking out the door. No, we got enough of that already. (laughs) Yeah. So we have to start taking responsibility for creating those working agreements with our teammates, with ourselves, and with our leaders. And I think that that will help balance out some of this fatigue we're seeing. So are any of your clients or any companies that you're aware of moving towards hybrid or are mm-hmm. they are they planning on trying to get people back or are they finding that people are now fed up with remote work and are interested in coming back? Where do you think the, the shift is or the balance yeah. is going to come out in terms of hybrid well, work? Well, yes. I think, yes, what you just said. I think most of the organizations that I'm aware of and working with, their primary goal right now is safety. And Mm -hmm. that's their top priority when they're making any decisions about returning to the workplace. So, and many of them are letting the employees decide how they want to work. You know, only a few that I'm aware of are demanding people to be full return to office. And then I go back to some of the things we talked about earlier. What's behind that? Why do they feel that? I, I believe that hybrid is probably going to be the common way and that people will have the opportunity to decide how many days a week they want to come in. Because I think most people realize that there's some value to being what I you know mentioned earlier, being skin to skin. There's something mm-hmm. to be said for going in and just shooting the breeze with your colleagues, you know, sitting around the table together. But I but I really think it's mostly people are focused on making places safe uh, physically and, you know, emotionally and mentally. So we talk about psychologically safe work environments, which is a lot mm-hmm. of conversation these days. You know, at the end of the day, again, all that employees are really looking for, we as humans are looking for, is to be heard. And they want to work in, in organizations that feel safe for them. And um, organizations that are interested in not losing good talent are, are bending over backwards, I think, to create these kind of workplaces where people can feel, you know, happy and safe and productive. Wow, what a great conversation. Thank you, Larry and Tricia, for kicking off season four and laying the foundation for this season's theme on how the world of work has changed since the pandemic. Building trust, being intentional, creating psychological safety. These are all things that will help us navigate successfully this new world of virtual and hybrid working environments. For more on how to foster change leadership and build successful virtual teams, Trisha invites our listeners to visit her website at transformstrat.com. You can take advantage of these services, resources, and find her blog that features all things change management, leadership, and remote work. 
In particular, if you visit her blog on virtual workspaces, there's an assessment that she's created that you and your organization can use to score your team on all the highlighted areas that you may want to focus on to develop within your virtual teams. We will link to all of this in our Villanova HRD blog so you have an easy way to access. Okay, well, that is all that we have for you today. Stay tuned for more riveting episodes this season as Larry takes the reins hosting more thought-provoking, deep reflection on how the world of work is changing. All right, everyone, remember, whatever you are drinking, coffee, tea, or something a little bit stronger, I hope it leads you to fresh brewed ideas that will help make work better for all of us. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of HRT. As your thoughts from today's episode steep, share with us what you are brewing using the hashtag VillanovaHRT. That's hashtag VillanovaHRTEA. HRT is brought to you by Villanova HRD. To learn more about the graduate programs in human resource development at Villanova University, and for all the links and notes from today's episode, visit the Villanova HRD blog at VillanovaHRD.com.